Hi, you are listening to Mediation Station, and this is your host, Greg Fenton. Each week we explore topics and ideas related to the experience of people with conflict and look to promote the profession of conflict resolvers. We are available to connect with at greggf at primus.ca and 647-227-4734. Visit us at our Facebook page to like us and Facebook group page to become a member. Also visit YouTube channels for both CHHA 1610 AM and Greg Fenton. Listen to podcasts of each radio show by visiting either of SoundCloud.com or iTunes Podcasts under Mediation Station in the Arts area. We have a Twitter account that is at Fenton Mediation, so follow us. So tonight we're going to have a conversation with uh, Mr. Ahmed. You're welcome to call in. The phone number is 416-785-0680. Hi, Esther. How are you doing? Good, good. How are you? I'm okay. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thank you for uh, visiting here tonight. Thank you. And I know this is the first of two consecutive week shows that we're going to do together. Mm-hmm. We're starting tonight to present an overview of what we're going to talk about with relation to people migrating and the challenges mm-hmm. they face from why they mi- migrated and what they face when they do migrate and land here and try to settle and integrate and then the factors of culture with regard to a whole series of things. How about you start off, you know, with sharing some information about yourself? Thank you for having me, Greg. Um, This is not the first time that I uh, visit the radio, and I would like to thank thank you for the whole work, the hard work that you are um, carrying on for the past 10 years. Um, I'm involved with uh, youth development in my background in social work. Um, I am um, currently doing uh, research on youth development um, in the platform of Y Impact uh, platform that yeah. engages young people. Right. Um, and I am responsible for planning, uh, coordinating, and designing programs for social and emotional development of young people in the area of policy setting. Um, Currently, I was um, heading the idea of engaging young people in Somalia um, within the constitutional uh, review process that Mm -hmm. the country is leading right now uh, to engage the rights of young people, um, which means there is within the constitution there is children's rights but the young people between 18 to 29 mm-hmm. the rights of young people is not enshrined within the constitution and that is the research that i was carrying on for the past a year and a half um we finalized um, a report right. a chapter mm-hmm. um in an upcoming book by university of tilburg in holland and the chapter itself, being a book with other authors, is called uh, Where Are the Youth? The Missing Link in the Constitution of Somalia. Mm-hmm. And the idea is to enshrine the rights of young people within the Constitution. Um, as you know, um, there has been a civil war and civil conflict in Somalia. And that has been taking place for the past 27 years or 30 years. And that created a lot of uh, influx of people leaving the country. 
And recent, recent research uh, suggested that 64% of young people are willing to leave the country. Uh, illegal migration, human trafficking become an issue, uh, not only for the country, but for neighboring country as well. Um, if we talk about the challenges affecting young people in Somalia out and out of Somalia, um, in the process of take for them taking a risk route to leave the country for greener pastures, pastures yeah. and all yeah. that, it's uh, there's a challenge that they face, and that included um, human trafficking. Um, abuse and sometimes they don't even make it to the destination they're willing to go. Well, I, I think, you know, when there's reasons why people decide to Correct. leave. Correct. And a lot of that is because of forced economic social conditions. Correct. And so that impacts the individuals themselves on how they navigate that. Mm-hmm. I would think, too, it directly impacts Somalia in this case. Because if it's depleted of youth who are its future in many ways, it uh, removes a lot of resources, human resources, and people who can contribute in many ways to the economy and the social well-being. So when people migrate, Mm -hmm. they come over to disperse in many parts of the world, and especially here in Toronto too with the Somali community. Correct. And when you look at the... um when we think about how Somali community come to Canada is that during the immigration wave, 1990, most of people did not, um, the social media at the time did not even existed and the news did not cover because of the uh, other challenges that were taking place, other civil war uh, that was taking place such as Gulf War, take the weight out of the country. Uh, therefore, a lot of um, families left the country without knowing where they were going. When you are running away from war, you have no fear to where you're running to. Therefore, a lot of people just left without being prepared. Right. Um, so the impact of forced migration, uh, what comes with it is uh, a lot of trauma. Uh, and when they came to, most especially when we talk about the case of Somali community in Canada, in Toronto particularly, when we talk about the family, uh, head-led, female-led family, the household, Mm -hmm. um, most of male remain in the country uh, trying to save the mother and the wife and the children. And for them being in the country, um, they faced a lot of challenges. And that challenge included a trauma that has not been... um, most of people did not get the support they needed. Right, to and deal with those. To deal with the issues yeah. that affected the impact of civil war. Therefore, that had a lot to do with the root causes of um, the community not being able to become cohesive. And um, the sense of community is, is lost because of that civil war. Reconciliation did not take place. People had no opportunity mm-hmm. uh, for them to come together. Therefore, coming to Toronto, where they have no spaces, um, the community and the trust is not there. So because of that, all, all that factor is weighted. And what we see today, Toronto, has a lot to do with the 
impact of civil war in Somalia. Yeah, and many people don't consider or even factor in the backstory. They only see what they see, and they don't realize what provided for people to be where they're at now, from where they came, and why they came. Mm-hmm. And all the consequences of the forced migration from back home, mm-hmm. and what's going on back home, and what they left back home, and what they came to land here mm-hmm. to try to find a place of safety, security, mm-hmm. and hope, mm-hmm. that also provided for obstacles, barriers. Correct. Right? Yeah. And the... I. The problem of um, the civil war, the impact of civil war on parents, did not actually cause a lot of parents to have um, to have different worlds: the world that they left and the world that they are supposed to be assimilating and, and settling. And that never become um, an ending story for them. The idea was to go back; things will go. It was well, only a temp- to temporary. be a temporary sanctuary. Co- correct. And because of that, it became a challenge. A lot of uh, family came with uh, a lot of family came with young children, and those young children came with grandparents. Mm-hmm. And then children growing up here, the intergenerational issue comes along. Um, another problem that was not part of the other problem that they ran away from actually become more impact, and it's kind of piling up. Mm-hmm. So the 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 support that most of people gain as a newcomer community, I believe that Somali community did not uh, gain that kind of support. And the reason being, uh, both we, I can look at it from two different perspectives. One, the, com- the community itself was not organized because of the reasons why they went away as a civil war. People were fighting uh, along clan lines. And when you're fighting along clan lines, trust and mistrust and lack of community cohesion takes place. And because of that, people come here and the question is, uh, I don't trust you. You cannot help me. So when they migrate here, they carry with them and bring with them those same mindsets. Correct. You know, many times forced migration of individuals, it's unexpected and people are not prepared because they're trying to leave an unsafe situation and people leave behind when they migrate mm-hmm. other people and that affects the country and then when they settle or try to settle here mm-hmm. they face more barriers and that has consequences and you mentioned too about the intention at the time was to be a safe haven for a period of time not mm-hmm. for a permanent mm-hmm. and that in some way that presents a challenge too because people don't really you know, make the commitment to be involved with the bigger community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, because when you compare to other communities that immigrated to Canada, um, most of the communities um, came here voluntarily. By choice, right? By choice. Yeah. But when people come here for uh, the purposes because of civil war, or um, then the impact is different and most of uh, families just are trying to run away to have better place or safety is the only concern in their mind and the case of Somali community in Canada during the migration wave between 1990 and 1995 which is the highest migration wave in Toronto is that most of people 
came here by not choice. And because of that, uh, the challenge that affected the community has a lot to do the grassroots, the, the causes, the root causes, has a lot to do with what caused the civil war to begin with. Because of the clan uh, right, yeah. lines, people uh, kill each other because of that. And with it's that th mindset and, and, yeah. and, and mistrust, when they came here, even the community organizations had to operate from that mindset. From that uh, sense of identity. And, uh, you know, we are, yes, this name, though, if one looked deeper into it, it's like based on those lineages of back home. Correct. And the reason being is when people need support and immediate support, then it will take time to change that perspective and mindset. Mm -hmm. So it becomes a solution uh, to the point where people say like, okay, you need help. There's a mistrust. You need, you need the support and help from me. Therefore, you can come. There's no problem for you uh, trying to find sense of belonging even when it comes to the support, the basic support that you need. Right. Um, so some organizations started uh, that w started off operating that way, um, and that was the only solution because when you when you're trying to support uh, the people to have that to change their mindset, then I think you have to be able to create that venue where they can have the opportunity to fend and yeah. to start that dialogue. So at least then in that case they will be ha they will have the opportunity to escape escape out or to make choices and at, at, at least to realize that people here in Canada are not uh, operating things and I'm talking about the Somali community that are not operating uh, the same way as back home. But at the time it was the only solution possible, um, and it was very hard for most of. Uh, uh, mothers and uh, young people and grandparents who came and ran away from civil war to have that trust from some yeah. of the community members or clan members, I would say, that they came, they kind of uh, believed that they, that caused the civil war. And that was a challenge. And it yeah. was a challenge that most of Canadian mainstream uh, institutions or agencies did not try they, even to understand they weren't aware of and they didn't make a conscious effort to want to learn Correct. they many times would make assumptions judgments about this is what's going on or this is what i see and this is what i believe and keep it at that level related a lot to conflict and mediation when people are in conflict we use the symbolism a lot of an iceberg and an iceberg is a large mass though what we see is representative on the waterline, about 10%. Most of it we don't see below the waterline. Mm -hmm. So we see people, we see them acting in a certain way with behaviors. We see the what. Mm -hmm. We don't, and we need to, and that's what we intend to do in mediation, is go, low, go below the waterline mm -hmm. to intentionally learn of and about that perspective of that person, mm -hmm. the lived experience, and about the effect upon that person in some way. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, a, a real profound gap has been created Correct. that's reinforced itself over time. Mm -hmm. And the perspective of any society that went through with civil war 
um, and people running away from conflict, the first and foremost that they need is support services. And that support services includes education, healthcare, not healthcare in, in I'm not talking about in a universal healthcare, but the idea of uh, in trying to support these uh, people who has witnessed uh, trauma, trauma, crisis, crisis uh, and all that. Very severe Se- yes. matters. Yes. And that was not the case and it was misunderstood. And the problems that was taking that were taking place in Somalia at the time um, gained a lot of coverage but the only coverage were negative it had it was removed by the human uh, it was not human centered it was not uh, the case of children running away from war it was not the case of women and grandparents running away from war and that reference checking was not actually uh, was not taken into consideration and there were a lot of misunderstanding between the community between the community and between the mainstream uh, agencies like police services, social services and because of that um, a lot of challenge takes place yeah Yeah. so uh, that as I said the um, because of all that it created a lot of misunderstanding between mainstream uh, yeah the broader community overall yeah right uh, when Somalis came uh, to Canada at the beginning um, it was an issue that most people did not understand that the trauma and and social support that they needed it become only negative uh, coverage that the main media uh, was all negative uh, and stereotypical, uh, you know, Correct. those people. Yes. Again, it's marginalizing. Yeah, yeah, right. We box people in because mm-hmm. it makes it easy for us, mm-hmm. which has implications for the other people. Correct. And so it just reinforces and perpetuates that whole negativity. Mm-hmm. And then once that whole label is on you or the people and the community, it's so hard to get a transformation of mindset Mm -hmm. which would give more revelation to the realities of the lived experiences to provide for some compassion, some empathy, Mm -hmm. and appreciation for those reasons why people are at the place and doing what they're doing, whatever that is, Mm -hmm. because of the lack of consideration what provided created this. Mm -hmm. So I I think, you know, uh, people came... They tried to settle. They tried to create whatever way and adjust whatever they did. And then because of the expectation was to to stay long-term, mm-hmm. it ends up being long-term. And then from that, there's adjustment concerns. And then it becomes generational because people have new children who are mm-hmm. born here. Mm-hmm. And then there's a gap right. with that too. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the gap be- because the new children who are born here are should be Canadian. They are Canadian. Yeah. So when it comes to issues of of education, it's not only something that affects only Somali community, but the marginalized communities and education system. And the case of Somali uh, Somali community in twenty years ago or fifteen years ago, I I believe. Um, I personally know and worked with almost twenty five families who had 
experience with zero tolerance policy. What do you mean with the school board? The school board, yeah. zero tolerance policy. And when there was a three, four different cases where two children fight in class and throw pen with each other, a yeah. pen, right. and according to zero tolerance policy at the time, pen itself is considered as weapon. Right, yeah. So the community being a newcomer, most of people do not realize, or maybe police services, some of them, because I worked with amazing officer, community officers from 23 Division right, back then. North Etobicoke. North yeah. Etobicoke. And most of the uh, challenges were that the community, young like as young as eight, nine years old, did not understand what the transpass was. A young kid, grade five, being transpassed from the school that he's going yeah. or the building that he's he's living from like two like 20 steps away and then not being able to go to that area and then they, when they caught they say you had trespass and according to the police they don't know the only thing they see is this kid has trespass without even digging what's happening and how this get into yeah the to consider and appreciate and, the and, backstory and yeah and that created a lot of uh, young people getting into contact with criminal justice system. Right. Talking about uh, migration matters and generational matters and forced migration, we're focusing on the Somali community, though many of the concerns or issues that have been or are being experienced by Somali community here are also shared by other communities that migrate under forced perspectives fleeing from um, violence and a lot of bad stuff, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, um, to continue what I was saying is that young Canadians who were born here yeah. um, still consider themselves uh, connected to back where their parents came from. And because of because of that, the this is where the topic comes in here and there, and the same similar issues that's happening in when you compare what's happening, um, the context in Somalia, political context in Somalia right now, the situation and 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 security issue is different when you compare to the the issues that are affecting young families and families and and young people in Toronto, and the reason being is that. This is a Canadian issue. It has nothing to do with Somali issue anymore. These young people were born in Canada. And I believe that they should be able to receive the same support system that is there to, uh, for everybody else. And the community, uh, from the perspective of the community, uh, I believe that uh, collective effort to to address this issue is the only option so far to address the youth Right. Fine. I want to let you know we got a caller. Oh, okay. Name is Deca. Okay. Deca, you there? Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes. Hello, Deca. Hi, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Uh, first of all, I wanted to say thank you. Um, yeah. What, what would you like to also say? Okay, we, I think we lost her. Are you there? Okay, we lost her. Let her call her. Let her call back. So, in terms of the matters being experienced, especially generational, people are 
like in a state of limbo? Are they part of the broader community? Are they part of the Somali community? Are they part of both? Are they not? I I believe they are part of both because anybody anybody um, who have been uh, who have experienced in civil war situation understands what it feels to be a newcomer into a, a country and newcomer being um, forced migrated like uh, you have no you did not come here for choice you just something happened and you just took off and the issue that affected a lot of uh, young families when they first came to Canada it was not permanent solution for them so the idea of being here and there is that still it's connected uh, parents were tra traumatized um, they needed emotional and, and psychosocial support services most of them um, were considered as a taboo within the cultural uh, perspective um, mental health issue um, mental health issue was another um, problem within the community um, so Yes, it has a lot to do. It it has a connection between the context of civil war and the context of the country and the impact it had on those who came here uh, by as a voluntary, as a forced migrated uh, community, uh, which was almost a 90% of Somali community here came between 1990 uh, to from 1990 to 95 to 95 most of them yeah. and it was because of that uh, the impact of uh, the soft the, the the civil war so so l let's just shift it slightly how are you like what do you how do you, what do you value about the work you do actually the work I did in um, right now, I do live and work in Kenya okay. um, for the past six years. Mm -hmm. um, but I since from two thousand two till two thousand nine, yeah. I lived and worked in North Etobicoke. Uh, I closely work with social services and community and mm -hmm. commu uh, police services. And my take on the issue on when it comes to families and youth, youth. My, my take on youth issue at the beginning was that it is something that affects the whole community. Therefore, um, my value when it comes to community engagement is that young people need support and the support they need starts with the community. And if the community is not healthy enough uh, and do not even get the support that they need, I don't think that they can carry on to support its young people, its its young generation, and this is where you can see a lot of uh, youth violence is taking place within uh, Toronto, uh, within the Somali community, um, and this is where we see a lot of violence taking place uh, within the community, and it's not the first community. We're not the first community that go through. I think it's a phase. There were a lot of communities that went through the similar situation. So Somali community per se is that it has to be responsibility and social responsibility for people 
to come forward. Not only that they have to come forward, but they have to support each other, that they have to put this cycle of violence to an end, right? So, and in order for that to happen, I believe that community uh, collectiveness and working relationship with the community and, and police services has to be number one priority. That is my uh, take on this issue. And the second thing that uh, I believe is that for me working in um, post-conflict situation and, and, and a country that is trying to reconstruct its um, every single institution that was broken into pieces is that policy setting agenda is priority at this point. Um, in 2015, from 2015 to 2016, I was involved in policy setting agenda in mm. terms of supporting young people and their priorities to become number one so you can align that priority with development agencies and aid, aid community that are supporting Somalia. So the priority number one, the way I see it was establishing national youth policy. I supported that idea and I worked within the government, volunteered with the government of Somalia in the area of engaging young people so they can have their voice and saying within that policy. So Deca is called back. Deca, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hi. Okay, thanks. And thanks for your patience to recall, uh, you know, call back again. How can we, what would you like to uh, share? Yeah, uh, I just want to say thank you so much for the program. Um, and also thanks to uh, Esther. Uh, thank you. This program is really um, very uh, educational, very supportive. It's, I just wanted to, you know, say first of all, thank you so much, uh, especially uh, Esther talking about the Somali community and, you know, the um, problems that also followed us from back because I'm also from the Somali descent and um, I just wanted to my question is um, we know that especially the Somali community in a way um, did not touch on the topic that you guys are talking about today uh, because it's such a deeper um, that you know, there's deep, deep, um, uh, you know, topics that have not been uh, talked about. Like, what are ways that these um, issues in the past that followed uh, the, the community to Canada or other parts of the world? Because right. other, other Somalis also um, migrated to other parts of the world. And similar issues, in a way, if you know, if you look at it, uh, they're going through. What What do you think is there? It would be a way of really bringing um, these things that you mentioned into really more visible. So you mean to affect some positive change? Yeah, like how how is it? Because everything she just mentioned. It, it happened. It's, yeah, it's happened. a reality. And, mm -hmm. I mean, the idea for conversations like this, I think, yeah. are to bring it to the conscious level, to bring it to the surface, 
so that people don't keep these kinds of conversations, these kinds of issues hidden underneath, in the closet, wherever you want to call it, so that we can try to create some understanding to then identify ways to try to address and and make things better, ideally. Mm-hmm. What do you say? True, true. Um, uh, thank you, thank you, Deca. I think, as you said, to create um, better understanding and and um, about the issue, I believe that it's twofold. One, I believe that the mindset of the community is, is still stuck with the. So the time warp, in a way, it's it's still sort of yeah, in it's this. Yeah, still so it's not on like you know honest dialogue. It's priority for Somali community uh, to regain social cohesiveness within the community and to stand together as a community because when this affects one uh, Canadian-born Som- uh, Somali, it's still that Somali community, even though this kid is Canadian. Um, but again, I believe that the community uh, coming together and engaging one another is number one priority for them to create that reality and to solve the problem itself and to find the solution it has a lot to do um, coming together as a collective effort and that collective effort has to start because when it starts within the community then the law enforcement uh, agencies such as Toronto Police Services I believe can come on board because the problem is too to when you talk to people they would give you their perspective and one of them is I don't we don't trust one another at the same time we don't trust the police services right. so the question is how can you come and create that mindset where the community can come together and find a collective solution to a collective problem I think part two is that what you referred to earlier is the division within the community yes. in terms of historical matters that people migrated with in terms of mindset, the tribalism, the clan, mm-hmm. and that, that that kind of approach is here. It's it becomes a norm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people traditionally see, and this is across mm-hmm. any culture, whatever, or language, people see difference traditionally as mm-hmm. barriers, obstacles. Mm-hmm. What's different about me from you that keeps us apart and will keep us apart? So the idea from my mantra is that differences are opportunities. And so we have to transcend that mindset of difference as a barrier to look at it as differences as opportunities. So Mm -hmm. people of different points of view, those traditional divisive perspectives Mm -hmm. would be best to come together. Of course, it's easy for me to say Mm -hmm. this is the ideal, the plan, Mm -hmm. to have a dialogue, to open up to learn of and about each other because it is a community issue collectively overall. Correct. And uh, social responsibility, when it comes to youth violence in Toronto or elsewhere, North America, Europe, or in Somalia, I believe that if parents come together and being honest with each other to address the challenges that are affecting within their homes, Mm -hmm. then I think the solution would be a bit easier. It's easier said than done, but I believe that if the taboo of uh, some people that I know, mothers that I interview, who are willing to come forward, 
looking for support for their children. Most of them is the cultural background where if I come forward for my son or daughter, something is wrong and I need support. And that is not something that is generally easy generally to do easy anyways. To do for families. And, and then families. also, I don't know if it's a cultural thing it's too. cultural thing. Who wants to bring that there are concerns within my family or my community to the public light? Correct. And that is one thing that Somali community in this uh, situation right now, the issues that are affecting young people in Toronto should come together to address it collectively because every single day, every single night in and out, there is a one mother crying out loud because her son has been gunned down or another son has been gunned down, which is not something that most people or in Toronto in general has not been found as a solution. I just want to say too that DECA actually is somebody who will be visiting with us next week because this show tonight is a two-step process. Mm-hmm. We're opening up the conversation tonight to prevent some perspectives over or an overview, mm-hmm. and then we want to get into more specifics next week. Mm-hmm. And DECA has offered to contribute to that conversation for next week. So thank you. I, you're also going to be here, and I don't know if someone else will be, which yes. is an, an yeah. idea and intention because mm-hmm. it's best to get people who are going through these lived experiences Correct. to share about those lived experiences mm-hmm. because that's how... I think mm-hmm. real change happens. What do you, uh, you know, I was asking you, how, how, what do you value about the work you do? So how are you affected by the work you do? Um, actually, I am very compassionate about what I do. Um, back a few years ago, uh, not only my background is a social work background, um, I worked with Children Aid Society, um, mm-hmm. social services, and community organizations. And one of the um, one of the approaches that really worked for me, while um, I worked within North Etobicoke community, was the engagement of mainstream and local community organizations, yeah. and coming overcoming that mindset, um, starting with the young people. And when you talk to people one on one the trust building can come and and it takes longer time but it is something that um, that I was proud of engaging a lot of uh, young people Um, there were a lot of um, several youth uh, organizations that we brought together uh, under the uh, framework of uh, conflict resolution and peace building and and, and engaging uh, community and faith communities and uh, private sector um, a few years ago that actually worked well and it was bec- it became a model and that was an, a venue where young people can get one another get to know one another and at the same time to get the skills um, I ho- remember that you remember um, uh, one whole week training on conflict resolution and uh, violence prevention 
and we concluded that it was one whole week of training and we concluded on awards night and actually yeah, you I were remember. there yeah. um Toronto police <coughs> services were were actually there and mm -hmm. youth proactive uh program leaders were there yeah especially and division the, the 23 division 23 division yeah. um the whole community mm -hmm. response unit and student partnership program that at the time i'm not sure if it's working or happening right now but the whole idea is that if the community come together and i'm not talking about only somali community community as general um crime crime prevention uh department community uh relations department per se within the division i believe that they can bring community together and let them take the ownership that they can lead their own uh solution and they can bring their own problems and, and find a solution. And that venue has to be something that the community themselves are willing. Um, people like Deka, mm -hmm. the caller who just called now, mm -hmm. really engage the community and tries to incre create awareness um, among what's happening uh, within the community today. Um, the youth violence did not even start. The communities that came before us uh, actually went through the same. Uh, and came out of it. So youth violence within the Somali, it become some to some people, long time ago, people used to say black on black. Yeah. Now it seems to me that <coughs> it's Somali on Somali issue. And I believe that the mainstream communities and, and, and agencies should not just wash their hands and say, this is Somali, Somali it's issue. It's their problem, it it's is, not ours. Yes, right? and that prolongs the problem because when it comes to trust building within and community engagement based on human-centered, I believe that solution can uh, be created. Solution can be found with that processes, but it's a process. And if, but if it's this integration happening within the community and the mainstream agencies that are supposed to be uh, helping, helping and, and protecting and serving the community, I think nothing will ever happen. And this issue is not Somali issue. It's the Canadian it's issue. It's a society it's issue. It's a society yeah. issue. It's everybody's business. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I believe that Somali community should take the social responsibility to come together and create that positive dialogue among well, them. Well, you know, in, in conflict in general, when we work with people who are going through these experiences with each other, someone's saying... You speak to the first person, they say, well, it's their problem. You know, it's my problem, but they're the problem. Mm -hmm. So if you approach, though, the other person, mm -hmm. what do they say? They say the same thing. Yeah. I've got a problem, and they're the problem. And this Both so are positional. Correct. How do you get people to get out of those positions? And, and if we keep that positions, <coughs> the problem will prolong. And everybody will just, will just take their position and say, it's not my problem, it's their problem. And the only thing that we will see that comes out of, out of that is um, lack of safety within even the community um, and the mistrust with the mainstream organizations and more communities, division. more division comes in. And this is where the only solution that I believe personally yeah. is that creating that venue. And the longer things go, quote, unresolved, in that kind of mindset, it gets more deeply entrenched, okay. and it gets harder to actually get people 
to move up and out from to hopefully a better place, a more positive place. Mm -hmm. So what do you want to, because we're going to close out very soon, what do you want to leave the listeners with from tonight that then they can sort of say for next week to build upon? Oh, um, I would like to, uh, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, thanks for uh, Deka yeah, uh, I believe, yeah. and the work that yep. she does and her team. Um, I would like to, um, to, I'm looking forward to take part of next, uh, next show. The idea of the show, um, it was that it takes... It's, it's like a panel in some panel, way, right? Yes. That's what we're going to organize so that there's a number of contributors mm -hmm. with different lived experiences within the community Correct. to present their perspective about the situation mm -hmm. and then let's have a, a, a brainstorm dialogue. Correct. And then I, I hope that this program, uh, with the support, thank you very much for um, creating the venue, but I, I hope that this could be where that venue starts uh, and then goes to the grassroots level yeah. where it can engage young people and the community and, and having a positive actually impact onto that. That's my hope. Thank you very yeah, much. Uh, someone has to take that first step. So when I was referring that everybody blames the other, mm -hmm. no one takes responsibility sure. or ownership, mm -hmm. someone has to step forward yes. and take that and make a statement. Yes, I'll do something. I'll yes. start something. Thank you. And then hopefully that builds upon itself. Correct. And this is that first step. It starts from here. And that this series of conversation on this specific topics, we are hoping that these similar dialogues, different si small dialogues within the community that to continue to take place yeah. within North Etobicoke and beyond. Thank yeah, you. because change doesn't happen. People in general struggle with change. Yes. And they evade or avoid it. Mm -hmm. And by doing so, the problem or the matter does not go away. It actually can get worse. Mm -hmm. So people have to journey into those spaces of discomfort and, you know, their concerns and their fears to try to seek to create positive change. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Correct. And, and we are actually hoping with uh, your support that once a month, um, as we discussed, yes. that for you to... I'm prepared to make that commitment. For you to give a venue mm -hmm. for people like Deka and other young people to come in that kind of initiative of Youth Impact 416 and for them to come up with different topics and different series in towards finding possible solution okay. um, to this problem. For sure. That's one step at a time. Yes. Thank you very much, Esther, for being here, and I look forward to continuing the conversation next week. Thank you. You're listening to Mediation Station on CHHA, 1610 AM. See you next week. <laughs>